Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. Will it be a mark of the coming of the Lord? Will it be when there is perfect peace throughout all the world? When And will that peace be established by the church? Will it be when the whole world is evangelized? Yeah, it couldn't be anything to do with this little decadent a nation, decadent people in, in the Middle East called Israel, could it? Or could it? This is the second day of the week in God's created order. The 29th day of January 2024, year of our Lord. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Let us turn to our Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this, your grace and your mercy. Your mercy renewed each and every morning. We pray, Heavenly Father, that this is the day that we live. We don't have tomorrow yet. Yesterday's gone. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we start this week out with a solid footing, pressing forward and upward to the high call. I pray, Heavenly Father, for the divine appointments that we will have this week to talk to others about our Jesus and to fortify the word of God within our, and with the word to fortify our hearts with the word of God and to live out the word of God each day. We thank Heavenly Father for this grace and mercy and we pray that you open our hearts to these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And we are in uh, Matthew twenty three thirty seven. And we're finishing that up uh, before we're moving on into the Olivet Discourse. There's going to be some heavy-duty doctrine there, folks. Uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who sent her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under the wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, The word here, and you are unwilling. The correct translation is simply, I want to gather your children together. The way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but not. You refused is the is the meaning and in a time of danger as we uh, just to pick up a little bit what we left off yesterday in the time of danger we uh the and and chicks and as i said you know i grew up and and my grandfather my grandmother had chickens and they would be little chickens around and and a side of danger that those little chicks would come flocking to underneath the protection of their mother's wings and um, there are times, dealing with the individual believers, there are times that a believer is caused to suffer, and suffering comes for different reasons. It's not, and, and something we said yesterday, that suffering 
isn't just or, or is just not a bad luck or or some you know um, let's just say a ripple in the in, in in space and time and all of a sudden we run into it and bam there there's a certain amount of suffering now suffering comes with a reason suffering individually as a believer and collectively as a body of believers come for different reasons sometimes that reason is brought on by our own negative volition we we spend time as believers we are born again believers and we're outside of the um, boundaries of God. And we're going our own way. And be careful. Because the longer you spend your time out in carnality. Out in the darkness. The further you draw away from that light. And the Lord is faithful. As in Hebrews chapter 12. He does bring on a, uh, and discipline those who he calls his own. And that discipline um, is designed. Um, not to destroy you, but to turn you around. And that little bit of pressure, that, 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 it, it, suffering sometimes is a messenger, like Paul says it's a messenger. For Paul, it was a different reason. Um, but maybe not. But for the believer that's outside in carnality, he recognizes, wow, danger. He recognizes the pressure and he recognizes and he, he turns and comes back into the, um, divine protection of the Lord. And we, and we can thank God for that. That He doesn't, we do have volition, we do have free will, even as believers. And we can sin and we can find ourselves drifting away. And I thank the Lord for the discipline. And, um, scripture tells us not to harden our heart when it comes. You know, because it's there that we might turn around, that we might come back into the light, that we may pick up our spiritual life again. So suffering in this regard is a messenger to wake the believer up, to bring us back to repentance. The volition of believer is still in play as he's speaking with these people in Israel, as goes the believer, so goes a nation. Everything that the individual um, individual and uh, individual believer uh, does and is subject to, so is the nation that is under God. So in that time of suffering, we wake up to see where we are in reference to where the Lord is. And then we have the opportunity to humble ourselves and turn back into light. But I'm afraid as some do, They will suffer, and they are believers, and those who have, those who are truly born again believers who are suffering, there are those. They will profess Christ. They will say, yes, I'm going to heaven. Yes, I believe. I've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. But as they've spent time in the darkness and carnality, they, uh, they, they grow worse and worse. And the only way that you could really think well there's no signs of of um that they are really born again and maybe we have some doubt but there is one is when they when they suffer and they go through this and they go through that and they're calling for us to pray for them and everything else that might be the only sign that they are believers 
that they are children of God because they're being disciplined. But some people have, some people have hard heads and they stiffen their neck to it. And that's what Israel has done. They, they're, and, and the Lord has accused them of being stiff necked people. They are God's people. They are still God's people and they are still stiff necked. That though they receive the discipline from God, nonetheless, they continue to be a decadent people. So, as goes the believer, so goes the nation. Jerusalem was dispersed throughout the lands. And Daniel 70, or when it comes to Daniel chapter 9, the, the 70 times 7, the 470 years, and the time of our writing is about to come. And in fact, seven years short, um, as prophesied by Daniel. And the time of Messiah, it's coming up to the time that the Messiah is going to be cut off. Let's look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. Just remind us on that prophecy. Because it's all, uh, it centers around this, folk. Then after 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be wars and and, and wars, desolations are determined. That's 62 weeks. The Messiah will be cut off. It's going to be just short of the 490 years that that is prophesied. It's going to be seven weeks. And that's what we're looking for now. The tribulation is going to be that final seven weeks that's going to complete that, complete that 490 years. But that clock has been stopped. And we live in a time that there is a, um, there, there, uh, there's the insertion of the church age, that mystery church uh, age that's coming into this, that, that church age is a mystery. The church is a mystery. And when we look at prophecy, it's, it's easier and less confusing if we look at the prophecy from the, the eyes of the Israelites and and their prophecy and what Jesus talked to them specifically. Because the church is the mystery. So rather than, uh, so there is a, time coming. And we're looking for that time, um, that Jesus is going to return. So though everything is going according to prophecy of Daniel. And though the volition of the people is foreknown, it doesn't mean that these people don't have choices. It doesn't mean that the things are going on because God's history, the Lord's history, his history, also includes the thoughts, the decisions, the motives of man. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as when you provoked me as in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me. And saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation. 
and said they always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways, as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter into my rest. And the trend continued on all the way up to the time of Jesus. And then in Matthew twenty three thirty eight, behold, your house is being left desolate. First Kings nine seven. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and the house which I have consecrated for my name I will cast out of my sight. So Israel will become a proverb, a byword among all people. And that means that that when people talk they, they will they would, when I I'd mention Israel, it would bring a negative connotation. Oh, you're talking about those miserable people. Oh, you're talking about miserable Israel. Um it would there would it would no be no glory about it. And then uh Jeremiah twenty two five. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house will become desolate. What do you mean? So what does the scripture mean by desolate? Well, let's take a look at the, let's take a look at Mark Twain, the innocence abroad as he was traveling through the Holy Land. And he writes in his book about this Holy Land. Steering, this is a quote from, this is taken from the book from Innocence Abroad. Steering scenes occurred in this valley, Hula, no more. There's no solitary village throughout its whole extent. Not for 30 miles in either direction. There are two or three small clusters of Bedouin tents, but not a single permanent habitation. One may ride ten miles hereabouts and not see ten human beings. These unpeopled deserts, these rusket mounds of barrenness that never, never, never do shake the glare from their harsh outlines, and fade and faint and vague into vague perspective. That melancholy ruin of Capernaum, this stupid village of Tiberias, slumbering under its six funeral plumes of palms. It is hard to realize that this silent plain had once trembled to the trump of, trump of armed men. A desolation is here that not even imagination can grace with the pomp of life and action. We reached Tabar safely. We never saw a human being on the whole route. And this is the land that they call Palestine. This is the land that Israel had come in. This, this actually is very controversial because it makes a statement that Israel didn't come in and disperse the people. There was no one there. These, this imaginary and, and wrong concept that Israel came in and disrupted the people. No, there was no such thing as the Palestinians. There's a displaced people 
that call themselves the Palestinians that try to move in. So anyway, that's, uh, that's a, let's continue on. So I'm not sure why there may be any confusion what Jesus meant by desolation because we read it here. Historical account of where Israel was back in 1867. Matthew 23:39. For I say to you, from now on you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, the centerpiece of Israel is, or well, as you were, the centerpiece of history is Israel. I don't know how many times that the question was asked me, or, or asked, period, I've heard it asked, and you've heard it asked, well, where's the United States? Maybe you've asked the question yourself, where's the United States in prophecy? If there is a United States when the time comes, the prophecy that will center, there will not be no prophecy that centers around the United States, but the prophecy that the United States will participate in will be as part of the nations as a whole that's going up against Israel. And we can see within our own country the policies, the attitudes of the people and everything else that sets themselves up against the nation Israel. And remember what Abraham uh the Lord says to Abraham, Blessed are those that bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. So the United States of America will include themselves into the other nations that will set themselves up against Israel. It's prophesied, folks. There has been a large push in our day. Uh, in this doctrine, I, ca- I call it the Kingdom Now doctrine. And it got popular. The, and the kingdom now doctrine is saying that we live in the kingdom now. This is the kingdom. There's the concept that we are here as Christians, as a church, to build God's kingdom, to do kingdom work. We'll hear that kind of language. And I'm opposed to that language. I, I believe that it's not doctrinal. I believe it's not biblical. There, there, so there is this large push to advance the kingdom now concept or doctrine. There's for, for several different reasons for this. For one, it, I think the church has gotten tired of waiting, quite frankly. I think it's been 2,000 years. And we're still waiting. And so we have grown tired of waiting for Christ's return and feel like we need to do something. And when Rick Warren and um, and some of the others came to say it with their purpose-driven church and other, Greg McLaren, I think, is another one, that it gave the church a mission, a, or a new mission. And with that new mission, they were excited. Remember when that book came out, they were all excited. Uh, the purpose-driven life and the purpose-driven church. And we are building the kingdom. And that, that was exciting. The only problem is taking the scripture in full, con- and full, it's full counsel. 
Where do you find that we are here to build the kingdom, get busy and building the kingdom? See, we've got, what was the Great Commission? To go out and build the kingdom so Christ can come and set up? Who is it that's going to establish a kingdom? It's not the church, folks. We're not here to establish church. What is the Great Commission? To go out and to create disciples. To make disciples, teach them all the things that Jesus has taught. That we are to be the influence in a, a influence within this world. The body of Christ is being formed. We are a heavenly people and we're going to be taken out of it. At which time, after the rapture, the, the timeline will begin once again. Take a look at the world now. Do, if, if it is that the church is building a kingdom, how are we doing? What kind of grade would you give the church? Another reason for this kingdom now is really, if we have to be honest, it's a deep-seated anti-Semitism. Replacement theology. To replace Israel with the church. The, the false doctrine that God is through with his, with his people. That he has divorced the people and yes, the language is used in Jeremiah, but you've got to read the whole context. Because he's not through with his people. He's not going to break his promises to Abraham. That's an unconditional promise. He's going to have his people back. And so there is a push to replace, it's called replacement, replacement theology. That the church is the new Israel. And that is false doctrine. Again, if we take in a full counsel of God's word, we can know that the kingdom now doctrine is a false doctrine and outside of God's plan for the church. Most Christians we run into in the day that we were, uh, they are ignorant of Bible truth. Even the basics that when you begin to speak to people about the Word of God and about Scripture, they'll watch this. Really, they, they are Christians. They love the Lord. They say they love the Lord. But then you start talking about the Bible. How quickly, watch this next time. Watch how quickly they will change the subject. How about that game last night? So Israel is still the center focus. They are still the centerpiece of God's plan. There's, when it says that Israel is the apple of God's eye, the translation is actually, they're still the pupil of God's eye. They, they are still the center focus of God's attention. Israel right now, they are the dry bones of Ezekiel. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord God to those bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you will come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, that you may come alive. And you will know the Lord. 
So I prophesied as I commanded. And as I prophesied, there will be a noise. And behold, a rattling of bones came together, bone to its bones. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. What is this? This, this is cool. Because prophetically, the people are now back in the land, at least in part. And they're still coming back into the land. And starting back in, 19, in May of 1948, they're returning to land and they're going to continue to be there. That in itself is a miracle, folks. No nation has ever returned uh, a, a dispersed people and have returned back to their land, even with their language intact, their culture intact. But there's one problem at this point. They're still unbelievers. They are still, they look like the world, they act like the world, they, they're still as much of a decadent people as they've always been. They have no spirit in them. Coming back to our passage. Where was I? Okay. Then I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew on the skin, covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, or prophesy to the breath, prophesy, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain, that they come to life. The flesh has re-entered the land. They have they've taken the, they're taking skin upon those dry bones, upon those dead bones. They were dead and now they're alive. But the spirit has yet been breathed into them. At some stage in the future, as we've already talked about, there's and it's growing now. We can see it. The growing hatred toward this little piece. Little little piece of property, just just off the Mediterranean Sea. This little piece of land, and it's not about the land, folks. No, no, it's not about the land. It's about the people. You see, if Satan can wipe out Israel, Satan will take a step toward proving God as being unjust. And can't fulfill his promises. The pre- people are on the, in the land. And the world is growing more hostile as the days go by against this property. Even the United States. And take a look at the news and you'll see that. And there's coming a point. In their darkest hour, as it looks like they are about ready to to fall, then at some precise moment, there's going to be the breath that's going to breathe into these people. And it's going to be just like Joseph, just like the the story of Joseph in Genesis, where the scales fall off their eyes, and they were not able to see Joseph for who he is. And they're going, at that day, they're going to mourn. 
because they're going to realize that Jay, because of what the Spirit has done, the Spirit's going to be breathed upon him. So this is not going to be, I've thought about this. This is not going to be a initiative on their part. It's not going to be that they say, oh no, we're, we need to turn to the Lord because we're getting ready to be annihilated. Uh uh-uh. uh. This is going to be all by the grace of God. He's going to breathe that spirit into them. And those, the spirit from all four winds is going to blow, blow, uh, bring that spirit into their hearts. And their eyes are going to be open. They're going to see Jesus for who he is. And it's going to be at that moment, they're going to say, blessed is he. In that morning, they're going to, their hearts are going to cry out and they're going to say, blessed is he who calls who who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is going to be that's what we're looking for. That's the the turnaround in history. If that day has not yet come as Israel is still a decadent people, we've got to conclude that neither has the promised kingdom. The kingdom is not here yet. Because the people are still who they are as a decadent people, as a stiff-necked people, as one who have still rejected as nationally as, and who's still under a national discipline of God. But that's going to be lifted. And that that turnaround, that pivot in history is going to be the volition of that nation when they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning, fellowshipping in your word. Thank you again for the start of another week. I pray, Heavenly Father, with every day that we accomplish our work as unto thee. I pray for, I pray for growth. I pray for greater understanding of your scripture. I pray for truth. As a pastor, and I pray for other pastors throughout, that their hearts will be enlightened and that the Word of God will become a center focus point of every, every, every pulpit throughout the land. Be with us this day. Bless our way as we continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Alright, it's another fine day in the Lord. Stay motivated in it. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting good fight of faith. Lord willing. Spirit God and Raptor Penny will be back here in the AM. And remember, be working on Matthew chapter 1 through 5. Tomorrow night is our great upstate Bible challenge. Joining us. You can hear this message again as well as previous lessons and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.